this one into the night. Jimmy Rollins is going to turn for three. Here he comes. In the air, down the right field line. Way back there. On an RBI hit by Mitchie Poole. Here's the throw to the plate. It's in the air. He is. Oh! The 0-2 What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Phillies Nation podcast. After a little hiatus, a little longer than we would have wanted to, but doesn't matter. We are back in time for the final home stretch of the regular season here and in time for some October playoffs, which the Phillies are obviously headed toward. We're going to get into all of that. We're going to get into some of the qualifying offer news that came out yesterday. We are uh, recording this here on Thursday. We're going to get into playoff pitching stuff we're going to get into into some of the opponents that the Phillies might play come October uh we're going to get into all of that fun stuff again thank you all for tuning back in uh we're back just in time for the stretch run like Trey Turner we show up when it (laughs) is the the biggest time of the season and we could not be more excited to be back Ty Daubert is here as always with me on the pod Ty how you doing I'm good. It's been a while since we did this. Honestly, probably a little bit closer to last year's playoffs was the last time we were doing these consistently. Like you said, it's the biggest time of the year. Phillies look destined for another postseason appearance. Um, unless anything totally unforeseen happens and all time kind of collapse. But it's looking like the Phillies are probably going to be hosting the wild card series after last year they just snuck in as that last seed and had to play it on the road against the cardinals but it looks like the phillies are going to be in a pretty good spot hosting a playoff series at citizens bank park and we're going to be talking about the scenarios what we think should happen with some of their plans what might happen and it's going to be going to be fun to kind of recap the playoffs over the next i don't know maybe two weeks maybe six weeks it's going to depend on what they do but no matter what it is I'm, I'm excited to to get into it yeah and as you said they definitely seem to be headed down that route their lead on the on a on a playoff spot right now they're plus four games in the first wild card spot they have a four and a half game lead over the marlins who are the first team on the outside looking in so again you know we've done the whole like september collapse thing um it happened last year contrary to a popular belief it actually happened last year they were not a good September team last year but it's almost like we kind of assumed that it wouldn't happen again this year not because of what happened last September but because of what happened last October obviously with the run that they went on and you know for the first few days there for the first few days of the month it was like oh this is back this is going to happen again not really but it kind of felt that way they were like two and five to start the month something like that but I mean, they haven't played their best ball of the season these past two or three weeks, um, but it hasn't been so bad that their playoff spot is now in question. So they should have kind of a stranglehold on a playoff spot, and they're looking pretty good to be hosting that first wild card round two. They're up two and a half games on the Diamondbacks. Uh, actually, the Thursday night game that the Phillies are hosting against the Mets is about to start. So by the time you hear this, it might be, uh, you know, one and a half games on that spot. It might be four and a half three and a half it might be three and a half but no matter what it is they're going to be in a pretty good spot so why don't we get into some of um who the Phillies might be playing when October finally does roll around in that first week there October 3rd is when they would be hosting the first game of the wild card round it seems like they're pretty much 
two or three or four teams who are in the mix as far as who the Phillies might play. There was that log jam in the wild card race that's been happening yeah. for like a month now. Some slight separation on that front relative to what we've seen the past few weeks. Uh, the Diamondbacks now have a plus one and a half game lead on the Cubs for that second wild card spot. The Cubs are a half game up on the Marlins. The Reds are a game back of the Cubs. The Giants at three back and the San Diego Padres question mark four and a half games back. Now they've won seven in a row, probably yeah. a little too late um, for the Padres to really make things interesting. But well, I was going to say stranger things have happened, but honestly, I'm not sure that's entirely true. They still have three teams, four teams to hop over if they want to yeah. get into that mix. So as far as who the Phillies might play, it seems like the only somewhat realistic teams would be the Diamondbacks, the Cubs, the Marlins and the Reds. Uh, Ty, I'll kick it to you first. Uh, a lot of people this week have been talking about, you know, trying to walk through kind of rank those 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 four teams in terms of who the Phillies should want to play, uh, what would be the most ideal matchups. They did that earlier this week over at Phillies Therapy, the podcast, of course, with Matt Gelb of The Athletic and Paul Boyer. Um, you guys make sure you're already checking out that podcast. I'm sure you already are, but um, it's an excellent pod they do over there, partnering with Phillies Nation, too. They kind of stole our idea. We were going to run through the rankings of the top wildcard teams that the Phillies should want to play. Um, and they beat us to it. They got that pot out on Tuesday. So make sure you go check that out. But that aside, uh, Ty, I'm going to kick it to you first. Between the Diamondbacks, the Cubs, the Marlins, and the Reds, um, the Diamondbacks are the most likely team that the Phillies will play in that first round. But walk me through which matchups you think would be uh, the best and which you think would be the worst for, you know, this Phillies team with obviously World Series aspirations. Sure. I, I think the first point I want to make is you mentioned that they haven't played their absolute best in September or anything, that they're playing well enough. Um, but the reason it looks like they're going to be that one seed, or sorry, that first wild card spot, that four seed without any problem is that I think the Phillies are like pretty substantially better than the rest of the teams in this wild card mix. Yeah. So while we're going to rank them and talk about some of the scenarios, the Phillies are the best team out of these wild card teams in the national league. And um, they should beat any of, especially at home um, with the ability to kind of line up their pitching the way they would want to, they should be beating whatever team they draw here. Yeah, no matter who they play, if they were to lose that that wild card round, it would be a unmitigated disaster. So, yeah, I think the the if we want to go with the easy, we'll say easiest, the most favorable matchup for the Phillies, I'd say that Cincinnati. They haven't they've been falling apart a little. Some of their young talent that that kind of burst on the scene. De La Cruz hasn't been playing as well. And their starting pitching is just not particularly good. I think you take your chances against the red starters co uh, coming in on the road against the Phillies offense um, at Citizens Bank Park. And I think that uh, that's something the Phillies would take. The middle, the other, the other three are kind of pretty close to me. The Marlins seem to always give the Phillies problems. They have some deadline acquisitions like Berger and they have Josh Bell and they, I don't know. People know how the Marlins, how the Marlins operate and they have some starting pitchers that could give the Phillies some problems. Um, I would say, I would say the Diamondbacks being young and 
Um, even though they are good, they I would say they're like the third team in that mix for me in terms of who I would least like to face if I'm the Phillies. They have some great young players like Corbin Carroll and um, some pitching like Gallon and and Merrill Kelly, but it's not not all these te- these three other teams are kind of in a a similar tier. Um, if I'm if I'm the Phillies, I would go second is the Marlins. They're not an amazing team, but they have some pieces. They have some players who can hit for power. They have Arias at the top of the lineup um, who has played well against the Phillies. He's a difficult out. And I would say the team I would least like to face if I'm the Phillies is the Chicago Cubs. Not that they're a juggernaut or anything, but they're a solid team. Cody Bellinger has had a career resurgence and the Cubs just feel like a team to me. They have, they have steel at the top of the rotation that um, they would not be an easy out. And I think they're better than a lot of people thought they were going to be this year, but they're definitely a legit playoff contender, maybe not world series, but they're a solid team. And if I'm the Phillies, they're probably the one I would least like to face right away. Yeah, I think I would I would okay, let me start at the top. I think I would agree with you that that from a pure matchup standpoint, the Reds would be a pretty easy draw as it concerns that first wildcard round, right? I mean, they're obviously super athletic, young. They have some talented arms, but not the kind that you feel like would really, I don't know, walk into the bank and like really I don't know, pose that much of a threat toward a more experienced lineup. And it's like, if you want to talk about all the like youth stuff, like there's, I think there's kind of two sides to that coin. One is, I mean, you saw what, what the Phillies did last year, right? It was a team that didn't have a ton of playoff experience as it was other than guys like, you know, Kyle Schwarber, Bryce Harper, uh, Castellanos, I believe has been in there once or twice, but other than that, it's a bunch of guys who essentially that was kind of their first taste of the playoffs. Um, I almost think that kind of worked in their favor because it was like they were too like oblivious to get intimidated by the moment and the scene and all that yeah. kind of stuff, right? Um, so there's kind of like two sides on that. Yeah, view. they they didn't know they didn't know any better. Yeah, exactly. And I think that that might kind of be what could happen with the Reds just because they have a ton of young talent all across the board there. But even with that, I'm not sure it adds up to enough that like would really pose that much of a threat. Obviously in a best of three, anything can happen, but I'm going to say the Cubs would be the next just because they're the pitching is like, yeah, you have Steele at the top right there. He's also allowed six runs in each of his last couple of starts. He was in the mix for the Cy Young and he's, you know, seems to have lost his grip on that. It seems to be Blake Snell's to lose now in the last week or two of the regular season. Um, And then at number two, it would be like, Kyle Hendricks or like Jordan Wicks or something like that. That's just like, doesn't, I don't know if it really, yeah. I mean, With that's your number Stroman, two. Stroman, I believe has only been out of the bullpen lately. Right. Yeah. They've been using him out of the pen. Yeah. Which I don't understand that. I mean, he, he was kind of getting yeah. shelled in his last few starts and then he went on the, on the uh, injured list, injured but then list. could be like, a, like an pen and they used him on, on two straight days. Like the, the day could that be he like got a, reinstated could be like an Eflin situation last year where yeah. they just felt like they couldn't build him up in time yeah yeah I, i'm not sure it packs the same punch this time around so um and then the lineup there's obviously some talent there cody bellinger would be a tough out um you know 
Nico Horner, Dansby Swanson, all those guys were obviously the Cubs are, I mean, the Cubs offense for the last, like for the first one or two months out of the uh, all-star break, they were scoring runs at like an all-time clip. They've kind of come back down to earth as of the last few weeks or so. Your boy, Nico Horner, by the way. My boy, Nico Horner, exactly. Um, You know, he's been in a lot of one-two counts the past month. I I actually think he's been playing quite well, but, um, Mm -hmm. you know, had to to toot my horn where I can. Uh, But, but yeah, I think that the Cubs, just because of the pitching side of things, um, you know, they they don't really have the high-end arms, I think, to compete with the Phillies. And, again, it's a best of three, so if you get steel on the wrong night – but he's also one of those guys that's like, what, year two? He's been great for the last, you know, year or two, or especially this year is, you know, going to be in the top five in the National League. Um, Cy Young race, but it's like you throw him in to CBP in game one, like his first ever playoff game. He's going against Zach Wheeler, team that just went and played in the World Series last year, not pitching his best ball here in late September. I don't know. Feels Feels like a matchup that would play into the Phillies' favor. I have a prediction. Yeah. If if the Phil I know that I rank them as um like the team I if I'm the Phillies I'd like to face least, but if the Phillies play the Cubs in the wild card series, I think Christian Pache will hit a home run off Justin Steele. I like that. I like that. That's my guess. Yeah, why not? Why not? That's my prediction. Um, and he would he would probably start because I mean you see the lineup that they throw out there tonight. Pache is batting ninth. Marsh is out of the lineup because yeah um, hasn't quite hit left-handers all that well this season. Yeah, sure, why not? Um, and then so the the team I think that they should want to play the second most least sorry the second least um, would be the Marlins and like the Marlins are not that good. Like they want to ton of close games they their run differential has got to be like very you know underground this year um their offense is just not good but they're the marlins right and you have like perez alcantara might come back in time for the first round um you know whoever they throw out there edward cabrera would be a problem um David Robertson feels like he would get some huge outs in the playoffs. Oh, I, that I disagree. Team especially. I disagree. <laughs> it do- oh doesn't God. it feel like the perfect like storybook? Like he comes back at, at the deadline last year and he's like, oh, the first my first stint with this team did not work out. I need to like, you know, um, make up for that. And then it doesn't go yeah, all that well. No, not and only it did not just not go well that they, they, he had in his hands. David Robertson, like you said, the the closer that that never came to be, but he got hurt. They get him again. He's pretty solid. Whatever he in the playoffs, he has the ball with a chance to send the Phillies at home to the World Series, and he can't throw a strike. And they have to bring is, in a starter. This is this is right after the bedlam at the at the bank, like. Yes. A game that these Phillies lose, but last year you can't you can't lose that game. Yeah, he no David Robertson wouldn't he would not get big outs. The Phillies would hit. They did it earlier this year in the in the they did yeah. The Castellanos hit that big homer in yeah. Miami off him right. Yeah, yeah. He would not get big when, outs when he when he hadn't he basically hadn't gotten a hit for like a month and then he comes yes. into that game and he has a three run homer in because he was facing David Robertson. Sure. Sure. It feels like one of those things that feels so like 
so stupid and so obvious that he would get shelled that like because of that he would dominate i don't know especially because he's a marlin it's so weird it's so weird not we don't have to make this the david robertson podcast but it's so weird that david robertson like is like he's not like an all-time he's not like a like a monument park like new york yankee but like he's definitely like somebody like oh like this guy was a great new york yankee like he had successful stops in what like chicago uh like he was just a like a really good like you mean the Phillies reliever. brought in you mean you mean you mean the Phillies brought in someone who was a longtime Yankee great who was also on the Cubs veteran and it didn't go well. <laughs> it's just it's like you everybody think everybody in around baseball thinks of David Robertson as like this like yeah like this guy was really good and like you ask anybody who follows the Phillies. And it's like, gee, like this guy just like couldn't hack it. It's, it's just kind of funny. Yep. Yep. Well, anyway. he got to say he, he did get a save in game one. He of did. The game World one. Series. That was big. That was big. That was big. Um, he threw so multiple, anyway. he threw multiple hangers to Jordan Alvarez. So. Yes. Yes, he did. Anyway, anyway. Hope the uh, Joe, Joe Girardi reference there landed, but yeah. And then I think that the team that they should want to play the least would be the diamondbacks. I mean, those two guys at the top of the staff, it just feels like it's not a good matchup for them. The The other bad thing now is they have a one and a half game lead. If that continues to grow, they won't need to burn them in the last, you know, two or three days of the regular season. And then they'll all be lined up for the wild card game and, or for the wild card rounds. The, the one thing I will say about the diamondbacks is, this Phillies team this year has had sort of a propensity. That's a big word for these like late game comebacks. Now, obviously they've been losing a lot of them. So there's a big like asterisk there, but they do know how to get down and then kind of rally their, their way back in the seventh inning plus. And the Diamondbacks pen is like kind of the team to do that against. They're not that strong of a bunch. Um, However, if you get, you know, mowed down for, six innings one run like you're gonna have a lot more work to do there um the Diamondbacks are a good team they're they're kind of like perfectly equipped to handle these new rules like they steal a bunch of bags Corbin Carroll is like obviously a stud um they've just got a ton of young talent that I think would be kind of a nightmare in a wild card round I think I think they would still be favored to win that and if it were to go to a game three um, they'd be like heavily favored there. So it's kind of like, you just got to get one of those first two. Um, but you know, I, I'm not sure it's a guarantee that they would considering the guys that, that, that they would be facing at the top of the staff. So, um, it's looking like they're going to play the, 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 the diamondbacks. If this lead obviously continues to grow, they're like kind of running out of time to, um, you know, to give up that 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 number two wild card spot, but that's just kind of the matchup that I think is um, I don't know maybe this is like trying to overthink things, but I tried to like picture all these four teams like you know like dogpiling around the mound. I guess you don't dogpile when you win the first round. Of yeah, the you do like, like the weird. They they like hug and like they like and they yeah. go in like a circle and they like jump. Yeah, which I'm like. I'm pro that. I think you should you should do that for every round of the playoffs. Um, yeah, the Phillies I know there are people who are like, oh, you should only do that when you win the World Series. But like, bring on the champagne, do all this stuff. It's hard to win around in the playoffs. I, I but like, I would try to picture all those four teams. Like, which one of those could I see the most? You know, at the bank, 
after winning the wild card round. And I don't know, something about the Diamondbacks, it was just the easiest to picture. I'm not saying I would I would pick them to win, but I think that they would they would give them sort of the um the toughest fight, if you will. Yeah, I, I think I think that's fair. I think I could I don't know, I could imagine I could imagine Bellinger and the Cubs. Like Bellinger is the one that I think about. Can you imagine that guy like robbing a home run in center field or something? Yeah. That feels like it absolutely would would happen. Yeah. Into the Ivy. Yeah. Yes. All these games would be on ESPN, right? Probably. Yeah. Wild card round. I think so. I'm trying I guess to... it's not it's not really Ivy. They just call it a bush, right? Out in yeah, Citizens Bank. On the yeah. but the so no like the I there's Ivy on like the brick wall, but yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not he's not reaching onto the Ivy. There's the bush. That'd be impressive. That'd be impressive. <laughs> so anyway, those are the kind of the most likely. Um, the Giants could have been in this conversation like a week ago. I honestly probably would have put them above like the Cubs. I probably would have put them no number way. two team that the Phillies don't the want. The Giants, put. dude. I don't know. They've 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 got some they've got some pitching. They're they're not. And the, the, good. they never play that well against the Giants. Now, usually when they play poorly, it happens out on the on the West Coast. But like, yeah. Sure, the Giants aren't good. They're probably the worst of those teams. Maybe slightly better than the Reds, although probably honestly worse than them too. But like, I don't know. Doesn't it just feel like Gabe Kapler walking into Citizens Bank Park for a best of three? Like, it would be a brutal watch. Like, yeah. I just don't, I don't think I don't think they're they just have enough talent. Even though Wilmer Flores is the greatest player of all time. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm kind of with you there, which is why they seem to be dropping out of the wild card race. That. I think should do it for our sort of wild card ranking. Uh, of course, we can dive deeper when the playoffs are about to approach into the actual matchups there um, when their team is more set. But yeah, I think that seems pretty fair. It just sounds like everybody kind of wants to play the Reds, but it doesn't seem like that's going to happen. Uh, why don't we move on to some qualifying offer news? Now, everybody's been talking about, you know, rank the teams that you want to play in the playoffs and what should the pitching be, but I think we are going to be the first pod to break down the qualifying offer stuff as it pertains to this particular team. So um, the report yesterday is that the qualifying offer was set or like what the figure should be is around 20.5 million, which is going to set a qualifying offer high since it was introduced in 2010. I think it's escalated pretty much every year. The Phillies have two guys for whom the qualifying offer might make sense. Um, One, they're probably going to give one to Aaron Nola, right? I mean, that yes, feels like yes. pretty much a lock. Um, yes, because yeah, and obviously he's, what he, for despite his struggles this year, he has not been very good almost the entirety of the season outside of a couple starts like right at the end of August where he was very good. But for the most part, he has been bad for his standards um, despite logging a lot of innings like he always does. Um but even so, he'll be one of the bigger names on the free agent market in terms of starting pitchers. And he will beat a one-year $20 million um, contract. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I've seen a lot of like, you know, oh, will they give him one? And everyone's like, no, they shouldn't give him one. They should just get rid of him, like, no matter what, which is just not really how the process works. Like, he's going to reject that that offer, right? So, um, I mean, the only thing that they could... It, it, it can't hurt them because if you're going to lose him, like you might as well get a draft pick for him. It's going to be like after the fourth round. So it's not like it's going to, you know, change the organization. But like if you can get that pick, you might as well get that pick. And he's obviously 
not going to accept that offer. I mean, even if he decided he wanted to go the one year route, which he won't, um, I mean, he would get something around like $30 million for one year. So, yeah. Yeah, you yeah. have to give it to him because even if you feel like you want to go elsewhere, if he somehow, like under some odd circumstance, took that qualifying offer, you'd be thrilled with that. Even oh if, yeah, you'd you take it. For yeah, one even if, point. oh yeah, yeah, even if you don't, even if you're not like a a big Nola supporter, which I I can hear that side of it, um, you'd take him back on on that deal. So that's not that's not the one where the the debate really starts it's uh the other guy we're we're going to talk about and i'll let you get into a little bit yeah so the other guy would be reese hoskins who his his market looked like um you know as late as like the middle of march he was gonna hit the free agent waters this year the phillies probably it didn't sound like there were any extension talks with him um it sounded like he was gonna hit the market and sign Somewhere probably in the range of like, if I were to guess, it would be like a, I don't know, four year, $80 million type of contract, something like that, 20 a year. Yeah, I was thinking, so assuming that I was thinking, I was thinking five, 100, something like that. Yeah. So, so something in the ballpark of like 20 a year for four or five years, um, assuming he had, you know, a season where he put up his, his usual Reese Hoskins like stats, which obviously like within each year, it's like kind of, a roller coaster ride with him. But if you look at him from a like year to year thing is his numbers are pretty consistent, right? He's usually around like a, I don't know, eight fifteen, eight twenty OPS with like 35 homers, maybe hits something around two fifty or two sixty. So assuming a year like that, he probably would have gotten, you know, something to the tune of four or five years, 20 mil, obviously everything changed when he tore his ACL in March um he can still i think he'd still be able to get a multi-year contract um i'm not sure it would be as close to the like 20 million annual range that it might have been um might be more like like a 15 16 17 kind of thing so his case is an interesting one and i think i i want to get one quick thing about the qualifying offer out of the way here because i think it's important any process in which you're compelled to make an offer that in some cases you hope is turned down is a stupid process, right? Like, yeah, this whole thing sucks. The fact that you're you're like making an offer on a guy who you hope turns it down so that you can get a draft pick, like after in some cases the fourth round. But now when that guy hits hits the market, like he's gonna have that attached to him, and teams are gonna be scared to sign him because they don't want to lose what for them might be like a second round draft pick. It sucks, right? I just think it's like a deeply flawed thing to have an offer in place that you might want to make because the guy will reject it. Right. That's just bad. So with that aside, in terms of whether it makes sense for them to give Hoskins one, it's kind of a question of, do you think he will accept it in the first place? Right. Obviously, if you think that he won't, there's really not a single thing to lose if you give him the qualifying offer, because then he goes and either he stays and he signs a different kind of contract whether it's you know with the Phillies for multiple years or honestly if it was with them it'd probably just be for like one or two tops um in which case they wouldn't get a a pick but if he were to leave and go elsewhere they would get a draft pick but if you think that he would be inclined to accept it to sort of like reestablish his his like value of sorts on a one-year contract where 
he's probably going to be making more in that in that one year than he would on an annual basis wherever else he would go. Like, if you think that he might accept that, then it becomes a question of, do you envision him as a fit with the 2024 roster, right? And so they're going to have to sort of consider all of those things. I think if if they can see a place for him on the roster, it makes sense for them to extend the qualifying offer. Um, if he goes, they get a draft pick. If he stays, great, you have him on your team. It's a one-year thing. Yeah, it might be a little pricey, but like a one-year contract never, like, you know, really hurt an organization all that much. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of in the boat that there's not, there's no such thing as a bad one-year contract, even though the Phillies have handed out, you know, maybe some bad one-year contracts in years past to uh, <laughs> relievers past their prime, but um, Corey Knievel would be in that boat. But familiar. if they, yeah, yeah, familiar. If they don't see him as a fit with the roster, then it's like, you're only really going to extend that offer if you think that he would turn it down, Right. Um, because if you don't think he's going to fit with the team and you think that he's going to accept it, then you have a guy who you don't really want there. doesn't really fit with the roster the way it's like configured right now. And you're paying him 20 and a half million dollars a year. So it's like, they kind of have a decision to make on their hands there. What do you think they're going to do with Reese Hoskins? And um, I guess, I guess you can approach this. I guess the only way to approach this is from his camp, like, would you accept that? And then from the team's camp, should they extend one and is there a place for him on the roster? Um, what what do you think is gonna is gonna play into all this? What I think is gonna happen is that they do not offer it and then he also goes elsewhere. I think his time with the Phillies is likely over after this season. That doesn't mean I think it's what they should do. I think it would make sense for both sides. You in that case, you have some decisions to make mm-hmm. in terms of like playing everyone everywhere. Does he have to DH? Is he going to be fine to play first base? What does that mean for Schwarber at DH? And where's Harper playing next year? Is Harper are they going to move Castellanos off right field? There's a lot of stuff they have to figure out in kind of a short amount of time yeah. because they have to be thinking about the playoff roster, but then they also have to be planning pretty quickly um, what their moves are in the offseason because that qualifying offer situation is what comes first. Uh, I think it's 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 like a week after we- the World Series, like in an ideal, like if things work out well for them, they'll go all the way and then like either win or lose the world series. And then within a week, they're going to be like, what do we do with one of our like franchise cornerstones of the past five years or so? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think they should offer it. I think that Reese would take that for the reason you mentioned, kind of rebound, reestablish himself and then go for maybe something longer term the year after. But I don't think they're going to. And I think it would probably be a mistake for a few reasons i think in the playoffs this year um yeah hoskins last year had some brutal moments in the field also until the world series it felt like at least in the home games every time they needed a home run uh he hit one (laughs) and it was a big that was a huge part of their run to the world series and somebody who gets on base and hits a lot of home runs is valuable in a playoff setting. You'll you saw it last year with Kyle Schwarber and Reese Hoskins. You'll probably see it again with with Kyle Schwarber. And you know, Reese Hoskins isn't the perfect player, but he's a hell of a lot better than trotting out like 
Jake Cave at first base far too yeah. often uh, yeah. to not really be productive, and I don't, I don't quite know what the what happens if he can't play first base and only has to DH. That causes a lot of problems because um, at least even like only in the early parts of the season, um, depending how his knee is feeling, he already was not a good first baseman and i think next year you don't want to see much of kyle schwarber in left field maybe bryce harper plays some left field along with first base or right field because you think back nick castellanos probably doesn't hit the way you'd want him to be to be a full-time dh um but also if you think back to the beginning of 2022 he was pretty terrible in left field worse than he is in right field which is still bad I mean, the big issue is they have a lot of guys who are fit to either play first base or be kind of bad in the corner outfield. And the more Hos- things change, the more they stay the same. We've been and saying that since 2018. Hoskins, yeah, Hoskins back in the in the mix, um, still makes that all complicated. But replacing that bat won't be easy, um, even if you do sign one that's a little more versatile and makes the defensive situation a little less clunky, but See, where, where do you, where do you stand? So here, here's, here's my thing about, about the qualifying offers offers specifically. I'm, I'm not sure Hoskins, obviously I'm not like him or like his uh, agent or like, I don't know what exactly he's thinking right now, but I think there's a case to be made that he wouldn't necessarily accept that. Right. I mean, say, I'm not sure if, if he were to, hit the market right now i'm not sure he would get that much less than on on a on a multi-year contract than he would have if he were to hit the market last year right or if he were to be you know um stay on the field for all of 2023 right i think there's a chance that he tests the free agent waters and he were to get something in like the four-year 60 million range right 15 a year for four maybe five years and like there's something to be said for taking that financial stability and taking that that contract while you can rather than like yeah you can take the one year and you can get 20.5 for one year but then you risk like what if you're not productive in that one season and what if you still have health problems after that and then you've gotten one year older then you hit the market after next year and it's like now instead of making 15 16 maybe 17 a year you're looking at a lot less than that so I think that there's a chance that like he doesn't necessarily opt for like maximizing his potential earnings. In which case, if that were, if, if, if that were the route that he would go, yeah, he would take the qualifying offer or sign a one-year contract and then hope for a good and healthy year and then hit the market after 2024. But I just don't know if that's like necessarily the case. So I think there's, there's a chance that he might want to turn that down in which case the Phillies might be more inclined to offer him one. Now the question that comes into play there is, is that a risk? If if you don't see him as part of the 2024 team, which I'm not saying he necessarily is not. If you don't see him as part of that team, is that chance that he turns that down worth a like post fourth round draft pick, right? It's not like we're talking about after yeah. the first round or two, in which case I'm not, I'm not sure it is. I think that if they, if, if that, if that compensation pick were to be after round one or round two, it kind of changes things. But if you don't see him as part of the 2024 team, and like, I think there's a case to be made either way. I'm not sure like getting that fourth round pick is necessarily 
worth the risk of keeping mm -hmm. a guy around for 20.5 a year. Obviously, if they do think he's a part of that team, then it changes everything. But I don't know. So for that reason, I think maybe they might not give him one. I'm kind of with you there. Um, but I think there's a case to be made either way. And it 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 depends on, a, a whether you think he's a fit with the team, whether you think he would take that, um, what your sort of like risk level is in terms of how much you want that fourth round draft pick. So I think it all kind of plays into it. I think in the end, they give one to Noah, they don't give one to Hoskins. And then what do you, what would you do if you were the Phillies regarding Hoskins? Would you give him one or no? I mean, I think, I think it still depends like how the rest of the season plays out. I think like Johan Rojas, whether he hits into October or whether you like trust him enough to be a part of the everyday of the lineup there and like what what Bryce Harper's health looks like. Is he going to be a corner outfielder long term? Is he going to play first? Is he going to be the DH? Like, do you is is the number one priority just to get Kyle Schwarber out of left? In which case, like, you know, so I I think that all kind of plays into it. I think obviously it also changes things like let's say Hoskins comes back in late in late October and he hits a bunch of home runs and he helps them win a World Series. Yeah, like I don't then I, don't I think you got to keep him around. You know, I don't I don't see it either. But I just think that like a lot can change in the next month or so. Um, and like they've been able to tell this year how much they've missed his offense, right? For the first few months, they just weren't hitting, hitting home runs. And home it's runs, like, yeah. there's 35 home runs that you're missing out on there that would be very useful to have. So I think it was, it's kind of one of those, like you don't realize how much you miss him until he's gone, or you, you don't really like realize how much you appreciated his presence in the lineup until he's gone. Um, so that's going to factor in, but also again, like whatever happens over the next month with like Harper, Johan Rojas, Cal Schwarber, Castellanos, all of that's going to play into it. So um, TBD on that one, I'd say. Real quick, you mentioned the possibility of Hoskins coming back late in October. I don't see it happening. I know the Phillies like haven't ruled it out, but I don't think they really see it happening either. Um the obvious comparison there is when Kyle Schwarber did it in 2016, he was 23. Um, yeah. I just wanted to make a point that not that long ago, I was rewatching like a condensed game of game seven of the world series in 2016, Kyle Schwarber um, on a surgically repaired ACL that he tore that same season um, moved better in that world series than he does now. And it's like not really close. And it was kind of funny to watch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Reese Hoskins on the contrary is like 30, 31. So I think, uh, yeah. Might play out a little bit differently for him, but yeah, I mean, I just think it's, it's, it's going to be an, it's, it's, it's going to be fascinating. And again, I wish the process wasn't like this because it's like, Oh, do you think he'll accept it? If so, let's not give him the offer. Or you know what I'm saying? It's just it's just yes. weird. If you think he's going to reject it, then you definitely do give yeah. him. You usually offer, so. you usually make contract offers based on like you want the player to accept yeah. it. Yes. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, you want to get you want to get into some Phillies pitching wildcard round thoughts a little bit. Yeah, we can we can touch on it for a couple minutes here. I think you had some. I'm going to let you lead this one. You said you had some thoughts on this. Um, so we can we can get we can get at that briefly before we wrap things up here. Sure. So I would say at this point with what about how many days? 10ish days left in the left in the regular season, something like that, like just under 2 weeks. 
there is only, and the Phillies should have the chance to kind of set up their pitching how they want. There is only one pitcher that I think should be locked in for the wildcard round for the Phillies, and it's Zach Wheeler taking the ball in the first game. And everyone else, I think, is still auditioning. And they need mm-hmm. to go with whoever's pitching the best heading into the playoffs. Um, Aaron Nola has not been good this year. He His last start, he was pretty solid against the Braves. Um, Christopher Sanchez, throughout the summer, throughout the season, since they put him in the rotation, has been very good. And I think unless things fall apart, like if they're going off merit, I think you should trust Christopher Sanchez in a playoff game this year over Aaron Nola. That could change if Nola in his last start or two, like just absolutely deals. Um, Ranger Suarez, I think last year showed you what he can do in a playoff setting, um, has been pretty solid for the most part. And if he continues to be solid, he should get the ball. Um, Taiwan Walker, especially with his issues early in games, unless he goes out there in the last little bit of the season and really impresses you, I don't think you can have him. No start a playoff game and then if he's not starting a playoff game for you what is he giving you out of the bullpen i think my big take is that unless anything drastically changes i don't think taiwan walker should be on the playoff roster at least for the wild card series seems like lorenzo is going to be in the bullpen it also seems like it's really falling apart for him and i don't know exactly what he's going to give them in in the playoffs but if if i was picking a playoff rotation right now I think I would go. I think I would go. Zach Wheeler, game one. I would go Christopher Sanchez, game two, uh, with a pretty short leash. And I would go Ranger Suarez. I'm going to change my mind here. I think you have to have Ranger Suarez ready to go in games two or three as like a long man. And you go Sanchez. I think he goes Sanchez game two and Nola in game three with a super short leash. And as long as Ranger didn't pitch game two, you have him ready to go as soon as Nola runs into trouble. What do you think? You know, you know who's, you know who's going to start game two? Aaron Nola. Aaron Nola. It's no question. Like, and he does, and he has it. Rob mind was made up like up. three, three months ago. It, it was made up. Yeah. I mean, it was made up before the season started. He hasn't pitched well enough to, I think definitely deserve it, but yeah, I think you're right. But that's not what I would do. The the thing I would say is like one of the one of the arguments for for starting him is like imagine the what if if you don't start him and then you lose, like you start him or let's say you start like Christopher Sanchez in place of him, right, and you lose, then you're left with this like what if, right? What could have happened if we started that? My question is, what happens if you start if you do start him? And it and doesn't go terrible. well and you lose. And you feel that like, sounds a like a pretty you feel like you feel so dumb. That sounds like a so pretty dumb. big that sounds like a pretty big what if to me, right? Hmm. Like what if what if we started the guys who had been performing the best? Yeah, what if we started all the guys season. who deserved it? <laughs> and like the other thing is like we we saw what he did last year when he kind of he was excellent in October, the first three rounds, rounds until he yeah. kind of like ran into a wall in the NLCS and then the yeah. World Series too. Um, but that didn't come out of nowhere, right? He had a 325 earn, earn run average last regular season and his yeah. best and his best month, September, right? So it's not like what he did in October was completely like 
he flipped a switch and all of a sudden was phenomenal. I mean, this this October, if he were to do that, I think it's possible. I think it would absolutely come out of nowhere way more than it did last year. So um, I, I'm, I'm not sure the exact same logic applies. I also understand like the he's been there because he was there last year. And so you kind of like trust him more in those spots. But prior to last year, he hadn't been there and he still was excellent in, in those spots. So like if you were to yeah. choose somebody else in place of him, it would probably be Christopher Sanchez. And like, yeah, that would be his first postseason appearance too. But like Nolas was last year and he was awesome. So mm-hmm. it, it's like some of the logic here doesn't really track. I think that the best, like the best argument that that you can make is like he pitched really well against the Braves and he's probably does something at his next start too that like makes him the most qualified guy to take down game two but like other than that I'm not sure like the oh think about the PR or think about the what if or like I just it doesn't it doesn't stick it it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't do it for me I don't know yeah yeah I'm with you if it like I didn't know that you were about to say that like when you started talking I thought you were gonna do the like oh like well what if you don't start them and they lose and I was get, literally going to respond like well what if you do start him and he's been bad like he has been i think that's yeah. like you need to take the evidence that's in front of you and he's had many great seasons as a philly and in his major league career um but also he has shown you this year that he's just not pitching the way that he's capable of and i think if you i think you're almost you're like doing a disservice to the rest of your roster and like to yourselves if you are there's something to be said about track record, but if you're giving players starts and playing time, like based on their name, essentially, and things they did only in the past, like what does that say to your other players who are playing better and the players who can see that the other guys are playing better that um, you might not be giving them the best chance to go out there and win. It's like it's the playoffs. It's, it's time to, put out the the guys who give you the best shot like maybe they last year there's a bunch of times where like nick cassianos was one of the worst players in baseball last year and he was batting fifth and he he was a lot of uh, he was up a lot of times where you wouldn't have won him wanted him up in the playoffs last year including they probably wouldn't have won if somebody else was was up there but he made the last out of the world series and i can think of uh quite a few guys that you would have rather had batting fifth right there than him and he ended up making the the final out so it's like i don't know you gotta you gotta give yourself the best chance yeah and again the big the big caveat i'll say is that there's still probably two more starts each guy through so it could happen that he dominates his last two starts and then there's not even a point in having this conversation i mean there's not really a point in having this conversation as is because we know what's going to happen but um yeah Fun to toil with nonetheless. Of that, course. I believe, is going to be all the time we have on today's episode of the Phillies Nation podcast. Ty, any quick thoughts before we wrap up or should we say goodbye to the people who have been waiting so long? We saw I saw some comments on X on X. Um, there's the Phillies on Nation Twitter. podcast. Um, so, you know, we've been wanting to to get back. We've been seeing some some x's about you know where'd the podcast go we're you, back just in time got it got it got to give the people what they want yeah so <laughs> formally known as tw- i don't want to get sued i don't want to get sued yeah. anyway <laughs> that's all the time we have today thank you everybody for tuning in we will talk to you next time